Pete, in past episodes, I've done some shallow dives into the history of anxiety, and I'm thinking about taking another brief plunge. Are you in? Oh, I'm so in, but keep it uh, shallow. I'm going to keep it shallow very much. Have you ever been to White Plains, New York? White Plains, New York is home of Grandma's Bathtub Gin uh, Brewery, I believe. Is that right? Okay. I don't know. I'm making that up. Oh, okay. Well, here's something that isn't made up. Uh, At the corner of South Lexington Avenue and East Post Road, there sits a White Plains culinary institution named Kennedy Fried Chicken and Pizza. Do you know what's interesting? That's what I was thinking of. That's what you were thinking of. Yes. Uh, Do you know what's interesting about that place? No. No, nothing, Pete. It's weird you asked. Uh, the franchise of this chain currently rates a 4.2 out of 5 on Google Map reviews, uh, though while Peter DeMarco says that it has the best chicken in town, Blanche Colson gave it a one-star rating, seemingly enraged that they offer no jalapeno poppers. No, what's interesting is that it's across the street from the Anxiety and Phobia Clinic at the White Plains Hospital Center. That opened in 1971 and was the very first clinic of its type in the entire United States. Wow. In White Plains, across from a chicken joint that doesn't serve jalapeno. If that's not a recipe for anxiety, I don't know what is. This is very geographically prescient. (laughs) I just got back from there. I had to make sure. At the time, what made this um, clinic interesting is at the time, phobias were largely treated with costly and ineffective long-term analysis. But the founder of this clinic, Dr. Manuel D. Zane, no relation to Billy, changed all of this by (laughs) implementing what he then called contextual therapy, which meant treating fear in its context. Of course, now we know this as CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, or sometimes exposure therapy where the belief is that patients should be exposed to the situation that terrifies them in small, manageable steps, giving them control. So this is where it all started. that's why they're across from the chicken joint. we're exactly right. (laughs) It all connects together. We need more yarn Um, for our weird wall, our anxiety evidence wall. (laughs) Um, And just out of uh, coincidence, do you know what the very first anxiety slash phobia they treated? Of course. Of course. It's the jalapeno popper thing. It's the fear of not How enough good starters. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, no, it's something we discussed just four episodes ago. You want to take a guess? Oh, wait a minute. I know. It's a long oh, time wait ago. A Was it elevators? Correct. Really? That's exactly right. You're exactly right. Yes. The very first phobia that they treated that people would come in from across the country was fear of riding in elevators. So... Uh, that's it. Next time you're in White Plains, New York, go for the chicken, stay for the exposure therapy. <laughs> and of course, remember to bring your own jalapeno poppers. Taking time for making the most of it. And it can be a little hard to fit every bit of what you want to your life. Welcome to What's That Smell, a sometimes funny podcast about humans and their anxieties. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Tommy Metz III. And every week we each drag one of our deepest, darkest anxieties into the light to share it, learn about it, and hopefully laugh about it with all of you. You know what we've got today, Tom? We've got a unique and special announcement to make. The devil you say. We have some merchandise. That's right. (laughs) We are launching the very first in the What's That Smell line of Ultimate Truth uh, apparel and tchotchkes. And it starts 
You know that experience when you're walking around and you see somebody and they're wearing that shirt and it says, keep calm and carry on? Oh, from England. From England. Yes. Yeah, you know, from the war. Yeah. What do you want to tell them, Tom? What do you want to tell them more than anything in the world when you see these people and they're trying to tell you to keep calm? They're trying to tell you that your anxiety over living in a war-torn landscape, really terrible, and you really want to tell them, you know what? I think you might have it wrong. What do you want to tell them? Fool, there is no calm. There is no calm, Tom. And that is what we are peddling to you today. So if you want to support the show and you don't necessarily need an audiobook, you can do that now. You can get mugs and stickers and T-shirts and hoodies. And uh, you can get them in the classic uh, royal red. Uh, or you can get them in any color you like. You can get it in a heather blue. Whatever you want. Uh, they, and they all have the message. There is there no calm. Is, in fact, so we all know. No calm. <laughs> there is no calm. Uh, you can find it at our T Public site, or you can just, uh, uh, you know, head over to uh, uh, the link in the show notes, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll set that up for you. So it, it's in the show notes. Link in the show notes. Link to the merchandise and uh, uh, support the show. You don't even need an audiobook. Happy birthday! <laughs> it's your birthday. And with that, Tommy, I will yeah. go first. Very exciting. <laughs> I have to teach you some things about me today. Are you ready? All right. You might not know this about me, but I am fascinated by spaceflight. I think I do know that about you. Oh, I think good. we well, talked about you ahead. said it once you wanted an infinite amount of time because you wanted to explore all the infinite of space or something. Yeah, you know, what? that was that's uh, pretty broad language that I was using there. I'm okay. I may regret that. In fact, I can tell you as of today, I do regret that. In fact, I can oh. tell you as of about four PM yesterday. Was when the regret happened. The idea of expanding our reach beyond our own planet, Tom, is just extraordinary. It makes me feel huge as like a member of our species and tiny and insignificant at the very same time. One of my very favorite science fiction properties right now is The Expanse, new season right around the corner Mm. on Amazon Prime. The books are incredible, too. And and so you would think, like, given this childlike wonder and enthusiasm I have for the idea of sending humanity to space, uh, that it, it really it surprised me as much as anyone to discover just how quickly my dreams of space travel could be dashed. Oh, no. Yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> Seriously. I had a whole different plan for what I was going to bring to you yesterday. And then I did a little research and oh, accidentally no. ran across this stupidly unrelated article in The Atlantic by Marina Corin. Marina. <sighs> she hurt my soul. What happened? All right. Here's a story. Okay. An astronaut in space was running an ultrasound on their own body as part of a new study around the side effects of space travel. These This astronaut and the other astronauts in their cohort was completely healthy when they left Earth, and then they're in orbit in space, and we have a mystery. Oh. The scan, Tom, showed, and I quote, a clump of blood. Ah, God. <laughs> Wait, where? Just like on the floor? <laughs> <laughs> not on the I floor. might not know what an ultrasound Who's, is. What are you talking? No. All right. Let's take a step back. What do you okay. think you know about the perils of space travel to the human body? Space is the worst. 
Everything wants to kill you or eat you or freeze you or take all of your air. Okay. There's no leverage anywhere, yeah. and we're sending <laughs> robot spiders to the moon or something. I talked about that a couple episodes ago. Yeah, that was, those were dark days. Okay. So it, what you're telling me is, in fact, you actually know nothing about this. So I'm going to help you. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna help. No, you're right. It's a generally bad place to be. Uh, and senior scientist at NASA, uh, Karina Marshall Goebel, could mm. not hide her enthusiasm. She said, we were not expecting this. This has never been reported before vis-a-vis the clump of blood. So call Dr. House, Tom. Okay. So we have no symptoms from the clot, but they put the astronaut on blood thinners right quick. And they're fine, the astronaut. But listen to some of the other things they've been learning about these side effects of space travel along the way. And I say that with heavy air quotes. Side effects. It's it's not a great way to describe the (laughs) <laughs> nightmare scape of things that happen to your body. Let's start with how about swollen optic nerves? Mm? Oh, like in your eyes? Yeah, space? that'll cause some changes in vision, but you know why else it affects your eyes? Because you end up with flattened eyeballs, Tom. <laughs> why? <laughs> it's just awful. Well, just because space is the worst? It's okay. the worst. The accumulation Flatten of bodily fluids such as blood and water. These fluids, when you're in a, a place with gravity, like the comfort and warmth of your home, planet Earth, Yeah, these fluids do what they need to do and they move around. But when you uh, take away gravity from the equation, all these fluids just float around kind of indiscriminately and end up in your head and, quote, increase oh. pressure inside your skull. Thus, by extension, flattening your eyeballs, Tom. Uh, So they dug further into this whole new clotting thing that they discovered because that was the new thing. They already knew about the flattened eyeballs and they've just been keeping it from us. Oh, good. Uh, And so this uh, our our good Dr. Uh, Marshall Goebel and her team, they targeted the jugular vein. What does that do? Now, the, the jugular vein, it carries blood from the head to the heart. So here we go. Right. More. I have How are you for, pronouncing that? Uh, ju- jugular? Jugular? Ju- is jugular? I think it's just jugular. Is jug- jugular? <laughs> I don't think it's jugular. I mean, it's your podcast. You can do what you want. You do the editing. But I'm pretty sure it's new. it's pronounced jugular. Like your jugular vein. You don't want to cut your jugular vein or you'll bleed out. All right. So it, uh, we're, we're, we'll just see where it lands. All right. Okay. Look. All right. So... They targeted the, now I can't even look at the word. It's like <laughs> just lines and marks that mean nothing. <laughs> it's jugular. <laughs> it's jugular. Okay, so they targeted the jugular. And and uh, these are, I have for you, words that should not be said about people, blood, and or space. So oh, our okay. hero, again, Karina Marshall Goebel, she Gobble. says, scans showed blood flow stalled. In five of the 11 astronauts in the study. Stalled? Blood flow (laughs) stalled. That can't be a good thing. Stalled. She continues. Sometimes it was sloshing back and forth a bit, but there was no net forward movement. We are referring to blood in a body. (laughs) Oh, my God. The blood got decidedly cranky. What? None of these are good descriptors. And then she says, this is rare. It usually occurs in the legs, such as when people sit still for hours on a plane, thus rendering air travel completely useless to me in the future. Are you kidding? (laughs) She says here, stagnant blood can naturally clot. That's why we want to keep moving. 
And finally, in two of the astronauts, Tom, you might want to sit down for this. I'm seated. Blood in the jugular vein. The, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to lean in. Actually started moving in the opposite direction. <laughs> So it's like listening to a record backward. <laughs> yes. Like, do you start yes. moving backwards? No, it's just. And you talk like you're in Twin Peaks? And all your veins, uh, like, reconfigure in the form of the Manson family house. Look, <laughs> they classify this as, quote, extremely abnormal. Yeah. <laughs> what? Okay. Oh, my God. I have to. So the options are you get the blood sloshies. Or you're in reverse. <laughs> or you stall. You completely stall. Or you stall. stall. You right. stall, you get the blood sloshies, or you're in reverse. In no right. case is your blood actually doing what it should be doing. Now, I have to say, right. editorially, I, uh, I I know and I've learned recently that this is apparently one of the truly like magical things about the human body, that blood can just sort of find a way. I learned that from Jurassic Park. When vessels are cut <laughs> off, blood just sort of figures out the new way to around things to do the job. That does not make Clever it any blood. less anxiety-producing. I'm surprised, though, because that is a an about-face for you. I believe you've been so pro-space. Well, and I've the, always been very yeah. consistent in that space can, can go fuck off. <laughs> no, I, well, I mean, look at this. The the things that I'm I'm still pro space like in in principle, but you start messing with like eyeballs and veins and blood stuff, yeah. and then you're running headlong into some things that I still have to deal with. <laughs> like right. I'm not ready for blood that stalls, <laughs> like yeah. sloshing back and forth. You Dual have hit the sloshing. sweet spot. I can't believe those are things I'm able to quote. <laughs> do you think one of the astronauts is like, so yeah, let's go and do zero bump. Wait a minute. <laughs> I think my blood's going backwards. <laughs> Steve, are you feeling okay? Yeah, I think my blood stalled. <laughs> and oh, yeah, now it's going backwards. Stalled it's blood, my stalled dude. Bl- <laughs> they start talking backwards. I really think that this stalled is something blood. they need to look at. <laughs> Why does this happen? Space, just because there's no gravity and we're in ships? Because space hmm. and no gravity and ships. Yeah, exactly. All of that. Michael Stinger <laughs> is a, uh, he was a co-author on the study. He's head of cardiovascular and vision laboratory at NASA's Johnson Space Smarties and one of the authors. And he right. says, horrifically, time is needed to develop a clot when flow is stagnant. But you don't need several months for this to occur. It can happen in hours and days. Oh, man. Uh, now, wait, is... in the article, did it say he said that horrifyingly? <laughs> or did you add that? I would like, like the New York Times to be like, disgustingly, he said, let's <laughs> put in a little bit of yes. personal opinion. Yeah, no, I uh, emphasis mine. Um, so what Got did it. they do? They, this is a study. And so we don't have a lot of great answers. So they put them in pressure sucking suits that were designed by the Russians. And it's they're designed to kind of move fluids around, which worked for some of the astronauts oh. in the study, but not all sure. of them. Uh, okay. They When they came home, here's the magic, right? When they came home, the conditions vanished in, quote, nearly all of them. <laughs> and none of them had any negative effects in the long term. So that's good. And of course, NASA is naturally working on a formal ultrasound program. Everyone is excited for more research. They say it's a big deal, and aren't we so proud that we found this? Wada do da. Yeah. Okay. So it where does... never really occurred to me that 
I guess it should have, but we're also doing experiments on the people. Yeah. Oh, like we're collecting people. rocks and we're putting rabbits inside other rabbits. Like, I don't know what we're doing in space, but that we're also figuring out how it's affecting us. That's right. Terrifying. Right. And we have this really unique opportunity because of the Kelly twins, right? One the, Where one of the one of them is on the oh. ground and one of them is in space for long periods right. of time and they are different heights now they say that their dna has changed on a fundamental level that they didn't expect like we're learning all kinds of things that we should have learned in alien uh now in real life and it's <laughs> right. terrible so where does that leave us that leaves know. us tom with today's anxiety it's called oh are you just starting <laughs> yeah i'm just kicking it off it's called <laughs> astrophobia that's right. Oh, fears. Right. I have this fear of space. <laughs> I'm well on the record of saying, A, your mother's a liar, and B, space is the worst. Space is the worst. That's right. It is a sudden and irrational fear of stars, outer space, space travel, or alien life. The thing is, Tom, now that oh, we've man. read this cockamamie study, astrophobia isn't feeling all that irrational, is it, doctor? No. No. <laughs> this whole doctor's out of order. That's not a phrase. <laughs> It is one of our specific phobias. Some say it's an offshoot of agoraphobia. It's generally treated the same way, except, Tom, I want to leave you with this. Can you possibly guess? Let's just let's just do a run through of the ways we treat specific phobia. Right. We talked about it on the show. Okay, so what are the things you do? Let's say you're afraid of uh, snakes. What do you do now that you're an expert in anxiety treatment? Because of this CBT, podcast. yeah, the aforementioned cognitive behavior therapy. That's right. And that leads you down a path of being able to talk about it, to develop strength in it. And then what would you do vis-a-vis maybe actual snakes? I would meet one. That's right. Exposure therapy. You would right. expose yourself slowly and gently, just like you would do with needle phobia or something like that. Yep. You expose yourself over time slowly to the thing that causes you anxiety, and eventually you get uh, you get control over it. I like that I called it meeting a snake. <laughs> like, we're, we're going to brunch, <laughs> not just... Right. <laughs> I'm going to pop in on a snake. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Your therapist says, now, I've learned 50 questions you need to ask the snake to fall in love with it, yeah. and then you're going to just move through. Okay. Now, I'm on snake date. If yeah. you're... <laughs> <laughs> the the problem with astrophobia or uh, otherwise known as space phobia tom is that you can talk about it all you right. want but you but can't no... use exposure therapy if you're suffering from from agoraphobia you can use therapy in combination with medication and you could train yourself through it you can go out and run around in fields until you feel good about it uh but if you have astrophobia all you have is 2001 and moon and that ridiculous speech from bones in star <laughs> trek where he lists all the crap that can happen to you when you fall into space tom the only thing that space is missing is teeth <laughs> Like, that's the one thing. If it also had really sharp teeth, you'd be like, yep, that checks out. Like, you know, every, if NASA had to plan for massive and explosive decompression and uh, food and growing things in space and also <laughs> the web of just giant mouths that they have to right. navigate through <laughs> with every single launch. God, why don't we just stay inside? We have Netflix. Seriously, Ugh. Tom, there is in space, there is no calm. <laughs> there is no calm. <laughs> Year in a 
anxiety, Tom. The year is oh. 1025 CE, 11th century Persia. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Now known as Iran. You're hanging mm-hmm. out there with an all-around do-gooder, Avicenna. And uh, he is the pen behind a five-volume encyclopedia of all he knows about medicine called the Canon of Medicine. So that's pretty famous. Sure. Along the way, he really pushed the boundaries of mental health and has nailed the root of anxiety and depression. So would you like to know, Tom, why you are anxious? Yeah, this is based on... Yes, I do. Yes, based on 11th century uh, medicine. From I bet Persia. He gets it right on the head. Nailed yeah. it in Nailed one. It, yeah. Are you ready? Yep. You are lovesick. No. Hard cut to our man Avicenna, thanks to his robust knowledge of the human emotional regulatory spectrum, is brought in to help a depressed and anxious young nobleman. And this poor guy doesn't know what to do with himself. And Avicenna, always the astute observer, notices that our lad is particularly anxious, heart racing, cold sweats, pretty much any time his lovely cousin was mentioned. Diagnosis, lovesickness. Cure? marriage. What? That's right. The young man received special dispensation from the king to cure his depression and anxiety by marrying his very own first cousin and our man on the scene, (laughs) medical hero Avicenna, rode off into the Arabian sunset. (laughs) Moral. Humans have been blindly commingling bloodlines for way too long. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe that's why we're still anxious today. And once you're done marrying your own cousin, you can go to Audible. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audible.com slash scent of a podcast. Over 900 million titles to choose from for all of your rectangles. Pete, uh, a little bit ago, you brought up something called The Expanse. Uh, in your manifesto about space, I looked that up uh, in the break on Audible. There's 24 books that make up the expanse. That can't be accurate. That's more books yeah. than everything. <laughs> and they're all significant books, Tom. I mean, they're all 20 hours. They're plus. all 20 hours. Yeah, this is this is a, a massive series by James S. A. Corey, and I know that you have not read it yet. And I deeply encourage you to get started because this may be the last great thing you do. Uh, uh, it, it Do was, I have to read it, or is there another way I can partake in the book? You're books? doing that thing again, aren't you? Where you're gonna just you're gonna make me you make me real proper. You're gonna listen to it, Tom. You're gonna listen to yes. the book. You can yes. you can read, listen to it. Look, okay. it is massive. What I love about it is this: these it, it, James S. A. Corey isn't a person; it's a couple of people, and they started this as a as really like a massively as like a D and D in space game, uh, huh. tabletop game, and it never. Uh, I think when they tried to publish it, I I don't know the whole. You're gonna have to look up look up the real story. Wikipedia, this thing. But what I know is that they came back and they were they were urged by uh, some professional in the publishing industry. You should just you know try the book, try to write the book. And so they wrote this book together, and they have a pen name now that is James S. A. Corey, and it's huh. it's brilliant. The uh, so you should start with the books and then jump into uh, the sh- the show now on uh, Amazon Prime. It is fantastic, and this is one of those series where the book is great and also the show is great, and they are both ever so great. That's right. Listeners of the show, fans of the show, uh, Darnell and Johnny Jackaloni are both fans of the books and I think the sh- Wait a minute. There's. I'm looking at the list. There's a book t- one, book two, book 2.0. 
2.5. Yeah. <laughs> then yeah. book three, they have little books yeah, they in do. between the real books? They're like mini stories, these little novellas that they put in because <laughs> they actually fill in holes between the major stories. And the major oh, stories are significant. Like, they are oh. sprawling. If you're yeah. into hard sci-fi, this is your thing. I think it really is. And yeah. if you never want to do anything else again, <laughs> go to Audible, start, see how many you can get through in your first 30-day trial, because there's 24 of them waiting out, and that's probably not even the ones in between the ones. Again, uh, for the listeners of What's That Smell, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial. Just go to audibletrial.com slash scent of a podcast, support the show, get some merch while you're there on the internet. And with that, I think I'll go next. I can't wait. Peter Ria, I have a couple of questions for you. Wait a minute. Well, first of all, Peter Ria, do you love your new nickname? <laughs> <laughs> now you have a new anxiety. That was unexpected. <laughs> Peter Ria, that's what I wrote down. So I have to say it. You know I'm a robot, right? I have to say everything that I typed down. Okay, I have a couple questions for you. All right. Do you love your dog? Oh, so much. Are your kids honor students? They're fine. Without saying for who, <laughs> they're fine. Okay, so I'm thinking they might not be on the honor roll pre, like right, currently. Right, right. Okay, I understand. Without saying, <laughs> they're, they're children. Uh, without saying for who, do you have certain presidential candidates you prefer? Uh, yes. Okay. Now, with those three, do you love your dog or your kids' honor students, certain presidential candidates you prefer? How do you generally let people know your feelings about those kind of topics? Uh, I prefer generally not to. Really? Yeah. What about, how about, how do you let people know about your feelings on those topics in traffic? Oh, I yell a lot. Uh, alone. Yeah. Okay. So you do audible bumper stickers. Got it. Okay. <laughs> well, Pete, we are halfway through the season and to honor the occasion, I decided to dive into an anxiety that I have no personal relation to. In fact, I'd never even heard of it or thought it was a possibility, but it's real <laughs> and it's interesting. And I would like to get into it with you. Pete, I have another listener submission. Oh my goodness. I am so confused right now. <laughs> right. It's all going to yeah. make sense in just a second. Okay. All right. This listener writes, hi, guys. Love the show. Good start. My name is Jeremy. I live in Los Angeles. And while I have many anxieties, this one in particular gives me the most potent cortisol injection. So when I think about bumper stickers or if I look at one too long, you see how it's all coming together now? Pete, yeah. Are you still there? Okay. I'm, I'm, so I'm when I think about bumper man, stickers, I'm processing. <laughs> or if I look at one too long, I start to imagine having to peel it off. And that thought makes my cuticles tingle, and I start feeling grossed out. Like the kind of grossed out many people feel, get ready for this, when they see a needle poke into an eyeball. Oh, God. God. It's an ooky, gross feeling. I think the idea of having to pick at the bumper sticker with my fingernails to peel it off is akin to the fingernails on a chalkboard kind of feeling. When I go down this rabbit hole, like right now, I have to literally shake my head and try to get rid of that feeling. I'm hoping I'm not alone out here. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much to Jeremy for submitting, and please know that I unconditionally wince every single time I've read See a Needle Poke oh, Into God. an Eyeball, so your comparison ah. is apt and very unappreciated. <laughs> Pete? I'm sorry, that was an anxiety grenade for me. I was expecting to, like, really focus in on the picking of the sticker thing, but the... 
Oh, oh, you're still dealing with the eyeball. needle part. I oh. had to pick myself up off the floor. Oh, I'm so well. Wow. Well, just think of bumper stickers. So bumper stickers, thanks. bumper stickers, bumper thanks, stickers. Jeremy, <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm a robot. I have to read everything that's written in front of me. I'm like, uh, all right, Ron Burgundy. Yeah, um, Pete, I bring to you pitakionophobia. <gasps> Pitikionophobia. It is the pitikion is the Greek word for label or ticket, and so combined with phobia is the irrational fear of stickers or of labels. So no, Jeremy, you were not alone, but it is a rare enough anxiety disorder that I was able to track down the actual phobia expert who gave it its name, wow. a British hypnotherapist named Peter Field. And Peter, you're on the line. Go ahead. No, he's not. He's not really. <laughs> Did I, did I even have you? Yeah, for you like had me for a second. second. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, he's not really here, but I was able to track down on his website about how he was the first one to name the disorder after someone came into his hypnotherapist office. So simply put, those with this particular phobia experience varying degrees of anxiety when faced with stickers or sticky labels. Pete, I personally have no connection to this whatsoever. I love stickers. What about you? It's so I know weird. you're still... I'm, I'm rolling around on the floor. Yeah, but. no, that part was, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm okay. I, this is so weird because usually these things come in and they, they give me a, um, they give me the anxiety, right? But I really, I don't have a con direct connection to this one. I'm not feeling it. I'm maybe it's because it was masked by the whole thing, but, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, but I too, like, I generally find the, uh, like sticker stuff. I'm okay with yeah. it, and and in some some cases I kind of I like it. Like I'm I'm okay with the gummy kind of residue. I'll rub that off if I need to. Like I'm I'm really okay. I don't feel like I need to peel off everybody's sticker. In fact, okay. I actually well, love putting stickers on things. Oh, interesting. So you're that's the opposite of pitikionophobia. I'm a pitikionophiliac. You're a pitikion a fan, <laughs> fanio. Why would I? Try to tag what you said. <laughs> Filiac was the best one. Okay, well, that's a good check-in. Uh, Jeremy, we're both fine, but uh, good luck. <laughs> no, uh, I because I was so interested in this, I did do some research, and it is real. And there are a lot of people that actually uh, experience this, really? and they're all over the internet because there is, unfortunately for some people, there's a lot of shame involved because just like you and I can't relate to it, a lot of people can't relate to it, and therefore it is something that sort of hides in the anxiety shadows, or as I call them, shadows. Uh, and so <laughs> I did some research. As with most anxiety disorders, this seems to almost always come from something from your childhood. I found one man on Reddit in a forum describing his pitikionophobia, and he wrote, quote, I am the youngest of three boys. When I was younger, about three to five years old, my two older brothers would frequently hold me down and put fruit stickers on me telling me they, the stickers, were sucking my blood. As an impressionable young mind, I naturally believed them and would become hysterical. Naturally, I developed an aversion to stickers. My brothers were never seen or heard from again. Uh, that, okay, I made up that very last sentence, but that the, the uh, Reddit and forums like that are filled with people desperately saying, I thought I was the only one. Wow. You too? I can't. A lot of them talk about fruit stickers, that there's something very germophobic about that yeah um when i started thinking about stickers and i know we're talking about bumper stickers in particular but i'm opening it up to stickers for now um i thought a lot about childhood stickers make me think of childhood i once won a spelling bee um and i got a sticker reading grape job it was a scratch and sniff 
It was a scratch and sniff. And you know what it smelled like? Purple. Purple. <laughs> no. We've all decided that that smell is grapes. That smells nothing like grapes. It's purple. We all have to come together and say, that's not grapes. That's purple. It but, purple. It, but I did do a grape job. You did um, do a grape job. Yes. I, I did, did a grape okay. job. Okay. And then they also flavored that with uh, Hubba Bubba for grape gum, Hubba right? Bubba. It also exactly. is just purple flavored gum. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's I'm all purple. Yeah. But when I started thinking about it, it never occurred to me how prevalent stickers really are. They are all over produce. And on these forums, they pointed out that they're, they're name tags, band-aids. There are stickers on all the clothes we buy from stores. One person wrote that he can never make special requests in a fast food place because they put stickers on the wrapper. Wow. That election day can be a nightmare because everyone is walking around with I voted stickers <sighs> on their dumb shirts. Totally. You can be, if you are uh, attuned to this, we live in a sticker world in a way that I'm completely blind to. And so I feel terrible for people that have this kind of feeling. Yeah. Um, and so I did a little bit more thinking because I was like, well, maybe for Jeremy, it was based on a childhood event. But if it was, he probably would have mentioned something like that. So I put on my podcast thinking cap and I want to poke around to try to figure out another possibility. And I have a theory, and it could be the most obvious theory in the entire world, but I still enjoy talking. Well, other side, you could be solving it. Ah, what if I did? Okay, let's give it a try. Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's take a vote. <laughs> I'm clearly not solving anything. <laughs> There's a good chance I'm not successfully recording right, right now. <laughs> uh, wait, this isn't a microphone. This is a shoe. All right. Um, he mentioned that feeling, the feeling that he gets to bumper stickers compared to screeching on a chalkboard. Okay. And that is a very particular, that's this different, I mean, and then the N in the I thing, I'm not going to say the word anymore, you had that same kind of feeling yes. to it. Yeah. So I did a little bit of research on that phenomenon. And it seems like overall research finds that taking the screeching on a chalkboard, this ear splitting noise of nails on a chalkboard has the same frequency of that as a crying baby or a human scream indicating that these sounds are primal and are tied to survival. That's what produces the shivery effect that is different than other things. That's your inner being, your lizard brain, either being repelled or put on guard. So that's that's one maybe reason. Okay. The, maybe reason? Wait, <laughs> what am I trying to say? That's one possibility. Okay. <laughs> that's one. Did I just devolve? Okay. So <laughs> from now on, possibilities are called maybe reason. <laughs> that's a new WTS law. Okay. Now, you're probably wondering, what does that have to do? Because, no, of course, stickers don't make noise. Well, if anyone I out don't there imagine, like, Paleolithic man wandering around, like, really struggling with a sticker problem. <laughs> well, for, <laughs> no, but here's the thing. Oh, again, stickers do not make noise. If anyone listening is afraid of stickers because they're too loud, then A, <laughs> those aren't stickers, and B, you've got other issues going <laughs> it's a on. Very different Get problem. out of the house. Yeah, that's not... But if that shivery feeling comes in the same way, then it could still be tied to survival. Primal instinct. Things that are sticky can often be lumped in with things that are unclean. If you're thinking sticky, you're not thinking fresh and clean. Okay. And unclean equals unsafe. In a primal sense, sticky means messes. Sticky means residue. Sticky means germs. 
And so I try to make some correlation that it's almost like the tactile version of nails on a chalkboard. Okay. That you're getting it under, you're getting it under your fingernails. Yeah. You're infecting yourself with something. And then even after you peel it off, it's still there. It's still sticky and weird and it's really hard. And then finally getting back to bumper stickers. Why bumper stickers? Because they are the captain jerks of all stickers. Those are really hard to get off. The first thing I typed in for bumper stickers into Google, 1900 websites came up saying, how do I possibly get a bumper sticker off my car? They're made to be to permanent. not come off your car. To made to know. That's right. why I, my neighbor, I still know, is a fan of Mondale. So <laughs> move on. He is not coming back. So that is my sort of theory. And it could, again, be so obvious. But if it's that same kind of feeling that it's you're you're getting dirty, dirty means unclean, unclean means unsafe. And there's a part of you that is repelled by that. Pete, any thoughts? I'm really putting myself out on a sticky limb. No, all of a sudden I am realizing just how my own anxiety is falling short. I have stickers on everything. I should be a wreck by this. <laughs> so I'm going to need a little bit of time to work yeah. up my real uh, anxiety muscle oh, on this one. You're going to lead into it. But sure. I guarantee that it give me a couple of weeks, 14 days tops, and I will yeah. be I will be scrubbing my own skin clean of sticker <laughs> residue. Uh, Just crashing into bumper after bumper. Because <laughs> now all I can think about is that is that that physiological experience, the sensation of getting yeah. your fingernail under that mm. corner of that oh, one sticker. Don't you're going to drive him feeling, crazy and feeling it pull a little bit off oh. and I I'm well, right you... now I want to be with it. Yeah. Oh. Well, okay. <laughs> he just lost Jeremy forever. <laughs> Sorry, Jeremy. That was anxiety cosplay that you just sort of went through. I don't know why you would walk him through that, but so Jeremy, even though uh you know Pete's working on it, I'm going to stay free of it, but even though we personally do not currently have a connection with that, you are very not alone. Yeah. And it is definitely I think very much there's something primal about it and hopefully it's not something that you have to deal with too much. And if it helps, there is a whole product out there that I found just to remove adhesive residue. I don't care for the title, but it's called Gugon and an 8 ounce bottle on Amazon is just $7.20 and it just exists to get rid of, I guess, primal fear. <laughs> now that we're learning, <laughs> goo gone, anxiety gone. Yeah, thanks, Amazon. Oh, it's good looking out. Here's a problem. Right here on the goo gone bottle, it says sometimes it's sloshing back and forth, and it may stall. Oh, we're in trouble. <laughs> oh no, that's just a <laughs> bottle of space blood. Everything goes back around. That's what I said to my friends. Thank you all so much for joining us in this episode. Today's tune is Hold On To Your Butts by OK Otter. Nice. Coming up next week. And then I saw She's it. She's totally going to take this, Tom. This is going to be the new condo serial killer anxiety closet. And she's already trademarked it. <laughs> oh, Our, no. We're talking about it, Pete. Oh, you, no. Can you talk about it? I've I've dialed nine one, and stop doing your weird mouse character work. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of from the nineteen thirties. Yeah, he, he mm. seemed misogynistic hey. to me. Hey, hey everybody, hey. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> 
Until then, I am Tommy Metz III. And I'm Pete Wright. Thank you all for downloading. We'll be back next week on What's That Smell? Get